0: Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Well, it's so good to be here. Uh, I just find myself thankful this morning and for so many different reasons. I'm I'm just thankful. Thankful to be in this series, thankful to be with you, and uh, this morning, just particularly thankful for a particular group of people that are with us today, our students over here. Yeah. Students, could you stand up right now? And you know, in light of our culture, we're going to talk about this a little bit today. In light of our culture, I, I engage just, you know, in the hallway, wherever I am. I, whenever I, I come across any one of you, I just want to let you know that you blow me away with how you dress. Not that way, but this way. Colossians 3, 12. Therefore, is God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. That's who you are. God's chosen people, his children, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves. And this is what I see over and over again in God's incredible work in you and what's going on in the ministry. I'm just so thankful. Clothe yourselves. How? Well, yeah, some of you, you know, have sweatshirts on and those kinds of things. But Paul's talking about something much deeper. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Thanks for dressing so well. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you, which means fully. And over all these virtues, put on love. It's like love is that sweatshirt that you put on last. And it resides over everything, these beautiful qualities. And you dress so well. You embody Christ over and over again to me and to so many others. And I want to encourage you today. That's what I'm seeing in you And I want to encourage you to keep dressing that way every single morning, wherever you go, at school, throughout your day, because this culture wants you to dress differently. Dress instead with compassion and kindness, humility, patience, and over all this, continue to put on love, and God is going to do an amazing work through all of you. Thank you. You can have a seat. I was thinking about that today as I was talking to some of the students out there in the lobby and down the hallway, and they're just amazing to me. But you know what I see and what I've seen in them is just something that runs so contrary to some popular themes that are going on in our culture. And you know, you might recognize them. And these these themes are running contrary to really what what words we find in Scripture that are given to us by uh, the. the 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 brother of Christ, James. James 1, verse 19. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Are you quick to listen? Slow to speak and slow to become angry. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems like many in our culture have certainly embodied these themes. They've just kind of twisted some words around. And I think we see this in everyday life. Most recently, many witnessed this reality at the Academy Awards. Wesley Morris, I was reading this last night, so it's not going to be on your side screens, but he writes for the New York Times, and he wrote, this pandemic is still killing us. The virus at its center is one of the body, but it's also costing us our minds. So I don't know why I was shocked when Will Smith got up from his seat that night and slapped Chris Rock. I think one reason why we see this kind of thing happening in our culture is because these themes that James writes about is being twisted in our culture, and instead in our culture what we see is this, everyone is slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. That's what's being applauded in our world today, and the result is a whole lot of pain. We see it everywhere. We feel it everywhere. Friends, whenever we act quickly, speak quickly and make decisions loudly, be assured of one thing, pain, pain. And this is why the Apostle Paul, he gives us a lesson here today for these reasons, for so many more. These lessons are going to help us, I think, to move from me to we. And the lesson we're going to talk about today starts with these eight words, these simple words, right? Take a look at them. Be very careful then, in light of all this, be very careful then how you should live. Are you being careful? Be very careful then how you should live. See, Paul here in, in verse 15 encourages us to live lives of significance for Christ and in order to do so, he's saying and he's warning us of the many detours and delays that are promoted in our culture that seek to stall or impede our ability to live in that way. So he says, be careful how you live. Students, be careful how you live. Those who are older here today, be careful how you live. Parents, be careful how you live. Paul's saying, be careful with every word you speak. Be careful with every step you take, every decision you make. Be careful. Don't act quickly. Don't act haphazardly. Why? Well, if you're not careful with how you live, you're gonna say things you long regret. You're gonna post things that you wish you could take back. You'll do things which cannot be undone and you're gonna live for me instead of we. You see, those who are careful with how they live are aware of how they're living. So Paul then is calling us to a life of self-reflection where we're careful to consider all of the circumstances and possible consequences. So again, how careful are you? How aware are you? Do you step out boldly, defensively, tentatively, indecisively, strategically, humbly? How careful are you with this one life you've been given? How careful are you really? You see, far too many people, they act first and think later. And Paul, he's encouraging us to do otherwise. And so he adds these words, be very careful then how you should live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So basically every day is another opportunity to live for Christ or to live for me. Every day is another opportunity to serve someone else or to serve me. And every day is another opportunity to encourage another or focus even more so on me. Friends, we're called to make the most out of every opportunity, so are you? Are we? Because if we're not careful how we live, Paul tells us that we'll fall prey to a bad opportunity, even a good opportunity, while foregoing the best opportunity. And he says we're going to do that because the days are evil. Now, the word for evil in the Greek means diseased, blind, wicked. So basically, if we're not living carefully and wisely, we'll be blinded to the best opportunities and instead choose pathways of disease and corruption all while thinking that they're really, really good. So I ask you, how careful are you? How aware are you? Because not as many people are as careful with their lives as they think they're being. So Paul writes, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This is central to understand God's will. Easy words to write, but harder words to live by, especially when we live in this me-centered world. In fact, because we do, many Christians sometimes decipher God's will based on what they believe God just told them rather than what's clearly stated in Scripture. They decipher God's will on an image, I've heard this, that they see in a dream or a verse they've used out of context. You see, in our me-centered world, we can be so self-deceived. We can hear only what we want to hear. So Paul tells us, be very careful then how you should live. So how do we carefully discern God's will? A couple ways, I think. I can discern God's will when I ask, what does God's word say about this decision? A decision to speak, a decision to act. What does God's word say about that? The psalmist says, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light from my path. Instead of stepping into darkness and calling it light, how about approaching God's word which is light and will show you the way to go? See, if we we live carefully, we should be reading God's word carefully, not with an eye for how we can twist it for our own advantage. Remember John, not so long ago, we went through this. He said, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, how? According to his will, he hears us. So seeking God's true will is essential. And sometimes it starts by asking, what does God's word say about this decision? Another way to decipher God's will is by asking, what insights can I gain from the counsel of others? Students listen to that. The counsel of others. Proverbs, it tells us this. The way of fools seems right to them when they're living for me because it all makes sense for me. But the wise listen to others. The others that God has placed in their lives that have shown themselves to be pursuers of the Lord. So I don't know about you, but there's like three different types of people that can help me discern God's will. Those who know me and can help me better understand myself in light of what's going on right now, or those who know that situation and can provide me some valuable insights that I cannot see by myself, or those who know God and will provide me some good godly counsel. Friends, be very careful then how you should live, because if I'm not careful, anyone or anything can seem like a good counselor for me. I'll say that again. If I'm not careful, anyone or anything will seem like a good counselor for me. That includes Instagram, Facebook, podcasts, cable news, and certainly my own opinions. Hmm. So Paul warns us, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So he draws a distinction between wine and the Spirit. Why Well, you know what, when we're dealing with the pressures of life and we look for wine to kind of take the edge off and we keep going there, almost anything looks like a good path for us to take because it all feels good. It all sounds good. And the results are painful, a choice that haunts us for years, a decision we try to hide from others in our lives, which leads to obligations that plague our journey and rob us of joy. But I want you to just listen to me now. Wine here represents more than like the wine that you drink. Wine represents anything we embrace, which clouds our thinking and negatively impacts our living. I'm going to say that again. Wine represents anything we embrace, which clouds our thinking and negatively impacts our living. you consuming any wine in your life, that kind of wine, and that's why Paul tells us instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit is truly living in us and leading us in our lives, we're gonna talk, we're gonna act, we're gonna live in ways that glorify God and benefit the other people around us. And that's what we all want, I think. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, what's interesting here is that Paul provides a very interesting solution to that question. He says, how do you live by the Spirit? Well, you need to be speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. You need to be worshiping together. So in order to carefully live, Paul tells us to speak or sing these psalms, these hymns, these spiritual songs, three types of worship songs uh, with each other. And it's an odd solution until you realize what Paul's actually saying here. You see, when I live for me, I'm gonna decide what portions of Scripture I want to apply to me. The rest of the Bible, that's for somebody else. But when I live for we, we hold one another accountable for what we do and what we say by looking at what God has to say to all of us. That's a huge difference. And it also means that our time of corporate worship is a lot more than just singing some wonderful songs that we enjoy and they're beautiful and they're powerful and the band plays them well. It's more about that and certainly more than, you know, singing songs in our preferred style, Right? No, no, our times of corporate worship are about what we learn from the Lord together as we grow and worship him together. That's what Paul's saying. We do this by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And what's interesting is these songs aren't necessarily clearly defined in scripture, but throughout history, they've taken on distinct meanings that as people have sung them. And so let's talk about them. A psalm, is a song of praise written in the Old Testament by David, Moses, or Solomon. There's a few others as well, but those are some of the main ones. And a psalm literally means a song sung to a harp. What that means, basically, is a song sung to the, the kind of the popular stringed instrument of that time. So if you move forward in time, you might say a psalm is a song sung to a guitar. And as anyone who's ever had a tune stuck in their head can attest, songs like that, they aid in our memorization. It's why we remember songs, they're in here, even though we don't know that they're in here. Students, you're gonna have this happen, you might have had this happen already, but you know what, 20 years from now, you'll be driving in your car, going on a trip, suddenly hear this song play that you haven't heard in 20 years, and suddenly you're singing every single word. You didn't even know it's back there. And that's what we're talking about. It's why those who work with Alzheimer's patients will play songs from that person's past Because even though they can't understand their present, suddenly they're singing, singing along, not missing a beat. And the Psalms are kind of like that in the Old Testament. Because back in those times, lack of literacy and limited availability of printed material was why the Bible tells us these words, that the lips of a priest should keep knowledge. People looked to the priest back then to teach them and to apply the law. It's also why God through Moses commanded the people, you shall teach these words diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, saying constantly reinforce each other with these words because we're prone to forget. We are all prone to forget. So sing these psalms, psalms of thanksgiving, psalms of praise, prophetic psalms, penitential psalms, psalms of intercession, psalms of even afflictions. Sing these psalms because as we do, we're going to grow together in our relationship with the Lord as we learn more about Him, as we worship Him. After all, if the Lord is our shepherd, we have everything that we need. Psalm 23. And because he's all that we need, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you, my God. Psalm 42. These psalms and more have been set to music. At least another kind of worship song, a hymn. A hymn. A song of praise which is not necessarily part of scripture, but contains scriptural truths and mostly, a lot of times, theology. Theology. Teaching us about various subjects or things in the Bible. For example, just after Jesus shared his last meal with the disciples, we just talked about this, right? And before he headed out to the Mount of Olives, the Bible tells us that they gathered together and they sang a hymn. And we don't know what hymn they sang. We just know that hymns have been around for a long time. And yet, sadly, even though Paul talked about us singing these psalms and hymns to deepen our faith and community, hymns haven't always been accepted throughout time. For example, Isaac Watts. He's a hymn writer known for such hymns as, you know, joy to the world, the Lord is come, or I sing the mighty power of God, right? Those are incredible hymns. But Back in his day, those hymns and more, they faced incredible tensions within the church because the great debate of his day was if a good God-honoring church would sing a hymn at all. Because the psalms, you see, were taken directly out of Scripture. Hymns were, like, taken from this part of Scripture. It was theology, and so it wasn't directly taken from Scripture. As a result, some would walk out of the worship service when the hymn would be sung. Some churches split over the use of hymns. And some churches reached a compromise. Only the psalms would be sung at the beginning part of the service, and then the preacher would deliver his sermon, and they would end then with a closing, what? A closing hymn. But this led to this solution. People would come, they'd sing their favorite psalms, they listened listen to that sermon that of course transformed their lives and then they'd walk out of the service before the hymn would begin. How the words of Paul must have been ringing within the walls of those churches. Be very careful then how you should live. So we have psalms, hymns and then there's this third category which we all know well because we sing these many times, spiritual songs. A song of praise that is new to the church And contains testimonies, prayers, or portions of Scripture. For example, after Mary learned that she's going to give birth to the very Son of God, she launches into the spiritual song later known as the Magnificat. And she sings, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In fact, even in the Psalms, It gives us instruction regarding these spiritual songs, to sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. And yet not everyone has understood these spiritual songs throughout time as well. Much like the hymns, they have sometimes been set aside or minimized. People have been confused about them. For example, an old farmer went to the big city one weekend, and he went to this big city church. Well, he came back home. He told his wife, you know, he'd been there. He says, well, how was it? Well, he said, you know what? They did something a little bit different. They sang praise choruses instead of hymns. Praise choruses, she said. What are those? Well, they're okay, he said. They're kind of like hymns, only different. Well, how are they different, she asked. Well, the farmer said, well, it's like this. You know what? If I were to say to you, Martha, the cows are in the corn, that'd be a hymn. But if I were to say to you, Martha, Martha, oh, Martha, Martha, the cows, the big cows, the brown cows, the black cows, the white cows, the black and the white cows, the cows, 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 are in the corn, 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 and then if I were to repeat that like two or three times, that would bring a praise chorus. There's humor in it because we get it, but it also points to a reality. That as beautiful as they are, I mean, not many people, some people can, but not many people can remember five verses and a chorus to every single hymn. In fact, most of us can remember, you know, a few powerful truths repeated over and over again. We see this in scripture, even in the Psalms. Psalm 136. I won't even need to complete this Psalm. You'll get my point. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Why? His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. And what is the bottom line? His love endures forever. And they would know this and they would sing this wherever they would go. It would remind them. See, when I live for we instead of me, I both know and embrace that I'm not always going to get to sing my favorite kind of song when we gather but it goes deeper than that. It rejoices in knowing that someone else will. Isn't that beautiful? And I mentioned this before, but I got to mention this again because it's made such an impact on me. A few weeks ago, I, I was part of the funeral of Bob Linder, and Bob loved hymns. He was over 100 years old. He's been a member of this church like forever. And and I'll tell you what, even over 100 years old, during the pandemic, he would still come, he would sit over here, and then there'd be people, when it came time to sing, would help him to stand. And even though he loved hymns, it did not matter to him what kind of worship song we sang, because when we sang, he sang even louder from the bottom of his heart. You see, the Apostle Paul clearly tells us that when we gather, We're to bring all three kinds of worship songs together, and we're to do so out of our daily routines of bringing them to the Lord when we are alone. And as we do that, we are to sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's clear, we're to bring all three kinds of praise songs, and we're to sing them from the bottom of our hearts as we focus on Christ. As we follow Jesus and as we learn more about Jesus, he should reside at the center of our lives, at the center of our worship, because when Jesus is truly at the center, we will be careful then how we should live. And that means we got to remember that worship is not consumed, it is offered. It's not about us, it's about him. It's when the Bible says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So worship is all about Jesus, and it's about sacrifice. That means we all need to sacrifice something in order to live the kind of lives we're called to live. We're called to move from me to we. At least to my second point that worship is not about me. It's about unity, unity. Paul wrote this in Romans, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And while we can and while we should worship the Lord whenever we are alone, it's even more powerful when we gather together in unity. And we realize that as we do, that worship is not just a song, it's an instruction for knowing God's will. And that's why we constantly need to be speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Because when we do, it helps us to be very careful then how we should live as we sing together, as we learn together, as we grow together, as we discern God's will together, there'll be a natural outflow that will help each one of us live lives carefully and wisely when we are not together. It's what we're talking about next weekend, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's as a congregation, and if we're married, it's also in our marriages, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because when we submit to the Lord and hear, we'll have everything we need to submit to the Lord out there. Because it's out there where the winds of culture seek to blow us off course and instruct us in ways that seek to blind us to a disease that's commonly known as casual Christianity. And this disease will get you to thinking that you're embracing the ways of God while you're really embracing the ways of the world. So let us sing. Because whenever we sing together, we learn together how to discern God's will together. So let's sing. That means all of us, right? And that means we gotta sway to the music. It means we all need to move our lips. It means we need to make a joyful noise or at least some kind of noise, right? It means we gotta engage our everything to our God who rules over everything. Because whenever we sing together, we learn together how to discern God's will together. So together, let us sing. Will you stand with me? Dear Father, we thank you for your incredible love. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. That because of you, because of your pursuit of us, Lord, as followers of you, we are children of you, our most high God. So Lord, may you reign in our hearts. May you truly be the center of our lives so that all will see, all will hear, and want to join us as well.
1: Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Sing it out. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song, for you are good. You are. The key. until you are sisters in Christ. Do that.
0: Sing of his love forever. That wherever you go, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, all God's people said, amen. Go out singing. See you next weekend. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.